Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby, and I've got Mary Kay Cabot on the phone. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? I'm doing well, and welcome everyone to another Orange and Brown Talk on a Monday. Now, uh, Mary Kay, of course, uh, Mondays are travel days for us, and both of us came back from Houston today, and unfortunately... I had some flight problems. I got delayed. So uh, during our during the conference calls uh, with Hugh Jackson and, and a couple of the players, I was actually flying from Houston to Atlanta and then scrambling to get on another plane in Atlanta. So I didn't I didn't get to hear everything in its entirety. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to have you get me caught up on kind of the three main things that that I need to know and everyone else needs to know uh, about what happened today uh, with uh, with what Coach Jackson had to say and, and kind of the fallout from yesterday in 0-6. So uh, so let's just start off. Let, let's get to the first thing that, that we all kind of need to know. Okay, so the first thing would be uh, it was all about Deshaun Kaiser and what the quarterback decision is going to be. He's going to name his man on Wednesday morning like he has been doing. Uh, and I fully expect that it will be Deshaun Kaiser. So I wrote a post saying uh, that uh, he will likely return to Deshaun Kaiser. And then I had a column up there saying uh, that I think that's the right thing to do and, um, and to write it out with Deshaun Kaiser for as long as they possibly can this season. If you're going to have one of these young quarterbacks throwing the ball to the other team and struggling out there with a subpar receiving core, it might, be, it might as well be the one uh, that you're trying to determine, is he your quarterback of the future? Now, that doesn't mean uh, that I was opposed to him trying Kevin Hogan. I wanted him to try Kevin Hogan uh, because I thought it might provide that spark. So I was fully in support of him doing that uh, because I thought it would help the defense and I thought it would help him, uh, you know, get some points generated. What did you think, Dan? You know, I, I mean, I think when we did this last week, we, we both kind of seemed like we were in support of, of going to Kevin Hogan. And I don't think any of us and I don't think many people that cover this team believed that it would go as disastrously as it did for Hogan yesterday. Um, so, so I, you know, it's hard for me to second guess that decision. I know there are people out there that, that thought it was a bad idea from the start, uh, but it's hard for me personally to second guess that decision. But yeah, I mean, I mean you've, you've got to go back to Kaiser after what we saw yesterday because, it, you know, it wasn't just I – mean, I mean, Houston's defense wasn't just making great plays. I mean, Kevin Hogan just simply was not making throws. No, I mean, he was way off. It was really uncanny. I mean, he had not been doing that. I, I don't really exactly know quite what was happening, uh, but, you know, everyone saw it. I mean, he was, he was overthrowing, especially, you know, on that first one. Uh, to Duke, he overthrew that and, um, you know, was easily picked off by Jonathan Joseph. And those things kind of then have a tendency to snowball. And I think that ideally, in a perfect world, uh, if they could have gotten three starts out of Kevin Hogan, that would have gotten them to the bye week. And then I think at that point, uh, you really try to uh, tweak your offense a little bit, uh, give Deshaun Kaiser some more things that he feels comfortable with, tailor the game plan a little bit more to him, and to what he likes to do, streamline his playbook a little bit, simplify things, and then put him back out there, you know, for the last eight games of the season. I thought that that would have been uh, the perfect strategy. Yeah, get get three starts and, and maybe, just maybe, somehow get a win in, in one of those three starts to take that pressure off of Kaiser as well. But as it is, if they do, in fact, go back to Kaiser, and, and as you said, it, it sounds like they will... Um, He's he's going to be coming back with that zero in the win column and, and that pressure mounting. So, 
you know, you know, we'll see. I, I know that uh, I know that Hugh did say today that he thought Kaiser learned uh, a lot from watching that one game. I, I don't know how much he could have learned, but you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what hitting the reset button does for him. Know that you can learn a ton uh, just in one game, and I don't think it was supposed to happen like that. I think they really wanted him to kind of sit down a little bit, like you said, get that pressure off of his, that monkey off of his back, that they weren't winning any games. Uh, you know, just have a little bit of time to assimilate things, see things from a different lens. That that doesn't all happen really in one game. But Kevin Hogan gave them no choice. You can't go back to him when he throws three interceptions in the first half of a football game. Uh, and again, you know, those weren't, you know, necessarily just, you know, off a guy's hand or, you know, something like that. They were not that fluky. They were uh, fourth rows for the most part by Kevin Hogan. And, uh, and you know, the one thing, though, I think that Kevin Hogan discovered and that Hugh Jackson was able to see, that it's not just the Sean Kaiser out there struggling along with a, a subpar receiving core and, and no guys, you know, really out there that can, that can go out and, and really make the big play for you. That's uh, going to happen for Kevin Hogan, Deshaun Kaiser, or whoever you put in there. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. The the talent discrepancy uh, is is becoming more and more obvious as as we go along. Uh, okay, so that that's the first thing. What is the uh, what's the second thing that we need to know from today? Well, we we revisited the whole Deshaun Watson thing, and Hugh Jackson was kind of pressed again. And hey, why didn't you guys take Deshaun Watson at number twelve overall? What was basically going on there? And what we know about Deshaun Watson so far, what I've been able to you know, sort of find out through as much reporting as I can do on this, is they did have uh, Deshaun Watson as one of the, as one of their top three quarterbacks. Uh, he was somebody that they really liked, but they had him ranked after Mitch Trubisky and Patrick Mahomes, too. I think they would have taken Pat Mahomes at number 12 overall. I really do. Uh, but the, the Chiefs jumped up ahead of, him, of them and took him at number 10. And I don't think uh, that they felt that Deshaun Watson was their number 12 guy. I, I don't think they had him rated there. Now, you have to ask yourself, when you're dealing with a quarterback, you know, do you just kind of, uh, you know, go against, go away from your board and the way that you have guys ranked and, and take one, take a chance on one there at number 12. Now it looks like that's probably what they should have done, but they didn't plan on doing that. If they had stayed there, they probably would have taken Malik Hooker there. But they opted to uh, trade into next year's draft when it's a very quarterback ra- quarterback rich draft and try to have an opportunity uh to get one of the really good quarterbacks they didn't feel they would necessarily be solving their quarterback problem with deshaun watson now as time goes on it looks like that could prove to be uh, a bad decision on their part at least it looks like that right now we'll have to see how it looks a year from now yeah, I, I mean, how many years do we go through this where we talk up a quarterback class and then, then, you know, as the season goes along, everybody starts saying, well, you know, the quarterback class two years from now, that that might really be the one to wait for. It seems like we go through that, you know, more often than not when, when we talk about these quarterback classes. Well, it calls into a question uh, their evaluation of quarterbacks. And, and we're going to have to really keep an eye on this because if we're not sure... If, if they evaluated Carson Wentz properly and it's starting to look like they didn't, and if we're not sure that they evaluated Deshaun Watson correctly and it looks like they didn't have him rated highly enough, uh, then you have to wonder, are they equipped to go into next year's draft and pick a Sam Darnold or a Josh Rosen or any of these guys that are coming out next year? 
Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, I, I did hear a soundbite, and, and Hugh kind of said this last week too, that, well, you know, Deshaun plays for them and, and, you know, Deshaun Kaiser plays for the Browns. So, you know, maybe that discussion doesn't matter. And I understand why Hugh Jackson would say that, but for our purposes, that discussion matters a lot because we have to figure out, you know, how they're evaluating these guys, what they're valuing, and why they're deciding that they aren't using draft picks, uh, that they aren't worth using draft picks on. Yeah, and you and I talked about this yesterday, Dan. You don't have to spend $70 million anymore on those first-round quarterbacks. You can take a chance on a guy. And once they knew that they had uh, their number one overall guy in Miles Garrett, and they finally, you know, had enough heated discussions and arrived at that conclusion, he was their man at number one, then you can go ahead and you can take a chance at number 12 on a quarterback. And you know what? If it turns out that he's your quarterback in the future, that's great. If you took a chance on him at number 12 and it didn't, you know what? Then, you know, then you move on and you try again. You can take those kinds of chances. And the thing that's a little puzzling to me right now is that we keep hearing Hugh say, no, he's doing everything I thought he was going to be capable of doing. Well, if he's doing what you thought he was capable of doing, then, you know, why didn't your organization take him at number 12? Yeah, yeah, I did get to hear that soundbite too, and and that was a little, it, it it's just a little bit puzzling. Um, it it almost seems like, I I don't know, it just seems like they're scared to take one of these guys, and and part of that is when you make that investment in a quarterback, when you do take him with the number one pick or two pick or twelve pick, as opposed to where they took Kaiser at number fifty two, it it kind of starts the clock, and and it almost feels like maybe maybe they're a little afraid to start that clock. But, but I mean, now they're 0-6 and the clock is ticking anyway. Yeah, I mean, I almost wonder if they, you know, if they didn't think, well, you know, we'll take a chance on Kaiser at number 52 because, you know, if you blow the number 52 overall, maybe he doesn't turn out to be your quarterback in the future. Well, you know, nobody can really hammer you too hard for that. Uh, but if you blow the number 12 pick, and we've seen plenty, plenty of blown first-round picks here, you know, then you are going to be, really criticized for that and maybe you know maybe they just did not want to take that kind of a risk there but uh, again when you're dealing with a quarterback and you have a shot at one of the best ones in the NFL draft you know you might want to toss your hat into that ring and take a chance yeah and then like like you said you brought it up we talked about it yesterday it's not expensive to take risks on these guys anymore you're not handing Sam Bradford 50 million dollars guaranteed anymore um, these guys do not cost you a lot of money and do not eat a, eat up a ton of cap space. Um, so I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that more and more as uh, the week and the season goes along. So let's get to the uh, the last thing um, that I may have missed today and uh, the, the last thing that we kind of need to know. Well, Hugh Jackson still firmly believes that they're going to get this thing turned around at some point, that it's going to flip, it's going to turn. And, and, you know, he even said after the game yesterday that, uh, once again, that he is not going to swim in that lake, which was his answer when asked, what if the Browns go 1-15 again? And he's like, there's no way that's happening. So uh, he's basically trying to say, at some point, this is going to turn. And the, the reason, the only reason why I think there is a chance that that could happen, uh, you know, is because now you do have Miles Garrett starting to get in there and, and disrupt the quarterback and make some plays on defense. Uh, you know, maybe Deshaun Kaiser will come back uh, and not throw as many interceptions. Uh, you know, if he can continue to, to get better week by week, uh, if he can find a couple of guys that he can develop some rhythm with, you know, maybe they can win a couple of football games. But 
I don't know. I mean, it's hard. You look at that schedule and you don't see a ton of opportunities. We talked about this uh, yesterday a little bit, too. There's just not a lot of uh, winnable games. You just don't circle any and go, oh, my gosh, that seems horrible. I mean, that part of the schedule has come and gone. So uh, so we'll have to see how this turns out. Yeah, it's... um. You know the Miles Garrett thing is good. We've we've seen that impact that he's had on the defense, but there there's still, you know, you're still seeing the talent deficit there. Um, offensively, you know, with Kaiser, I, you know, it goes beyond the turnovers too. It's the fact that he's missing open guys, and and of course he doesn't have a ton of weapons. So maybe getting Corey Coleman back eventually will help there too. That's certainly something the Browns can hang their hats on moving forward. But it's hard to find a win here unless you're going to point to something fluky, like you know. Strange things happen when you go to London, and Blake Bortles looks like an all-pro over there. So, you know, you never know what can happen in those games. You know, maybe that's one. Maybe, you know, you never know what will happen with the Chargers come December. There's, you know, the the Packers don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. Um, Maybe some fluky things can happen to let them find one or two wins. But, I mean, we saw it yesterday. The Texans are not a great team, and it still kind of looked like there was a big deficit there talent-wise. Yeah, there did. But you know what, Dan? I mean, maybe in the end, if they do, when we have, uh, we're talking about this again, if they do hope to land a Sam Darnold, it almost <laughs> gets to the point in the season where you're like, okay, well, don't blow the first pick then. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if you have your eyes on the prize and there's a guy that you really want, then, um, you know, then maybe winning a game isn't going to help you very much this season. Yeah, because there's other teams. I mean, San Francisco still needs a quarterback. They've they've kind of skated on a lot of the criticism for not taking a quarterback because of the Browns. Kyle Shanahan should be sending uh, the Browns thank you cards uh, for that because n- nobody's talking about them passing on on any of these quarterbacks at number two. Um, you know, there's other teams out there that are looking for quarterbacks, and uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And you know, you hate to talk about it, and you hate to talk about tanking, but. Here you are at 0-6, and you're right. You're going to get to a point where you've gone through all of this. What does a win in December? What does a win in December mean? Yeah, I mean, if if, uh, if it starts to become evident that Deshaun Kaiser, you know, might not be the quarterback of the future, or if you're not sure, uh, then winning a game and and losing out on the quarterback sweepstakes in the long run. You know, it just might not be the best thing for you. Of course, nobody, Hugh Jackson would never, ever, ever tank a game. But, you know, if they do want the number one overall pick again uh, this year, now that we've seen the way the season is going, uh, you know, maybe losing just isn't going to be, you know, as catastrophic for them as as it seems right now. Of course, You know, the problem is if you do, or if you are bad enough to get that number one pick this year with as many bad teams as there are, you might not be around to either make the pick if you're the front office or get to use whoever gets picked there if you're, if you're the coaching staff. Um, so, so it might end up being a catch-22 for this team unless they, they can kind of sell Jimmy Haslam on, you know, that this is what's best. Yeah, and, you know, and again, there was that report last night that um, – you know, that they were reaching, they, they were already reaching out to front office candidates. Um, now, the Browns, uh, a Browns spokesman told me that that was false and erroneous, uh, that that was absolutely not true, that's not happening. Um, but, you know, I mean, who knows? When, when a regime is 1 in 21, 
you have to start, you know, asking yourself, is everything going the way that we need it to be going, especially heading into another big news draft. So it wouldn't be crazy if those thoughts start to enter Jimmy Haslam's head. You know, do I have the right group in place? Do I need to stay patient or, you know, do I need to start reevaluating this thing? All right, uh, Mary Kay, I, uh, I'll let you go with that. We, uh, that'll be our Monday orange and brown talk here on Cleveland.com. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to get me and everyone else caught up on everything that happened uh, uh, with the Browns today. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Dan.